Hey, good morning. If you're new, I am Charlie, lead pastor here. Really glad that you're here today. You brave the rough elements out there. I, I say that half joking, but a lot of Arkansans, you know, don't like to get out if there's ice in the yard. So that you're willing to come out, it's great. It's great to be here, especially if you're new. Big uh, welcome to you. And if you are new, you're going you're gonna to hear something, um, tell you something that um, everybody else around here knows. Um, when we, it was about 10 years ago that um, uh, my wife and I were decided we were going to be moving here, and we had announced to our church there that we were going to be moving up here and moving in a few months. And uh, we had not put our house on the market yet, and before we had even put our house on the market, we got uh, a knock on the door from somebody that we didn't know. And it was, uh, they say, hey, you know, we had just looked at a house that was for sale by owner down the street, and it really wasn't what we wanted, but the guy said, hey, my pastor, he's going to be selling his house, you should go down there, it sounds like it's perfect for you. So it was this lady and her friend. And she was buying it for um, her, her and her husband. She came, looked around the house, and everything about it was perfect. It was everything that, she, that they wanted in a house. And it was just going to be perfect, and they were going to be moving in the next couple of months. And it was just perfect. So it's like, hey, we totally want to buy your house. I just got to go, go back and talk to my husband, work out a couple things. And so we're, we're buying this house. We exchange each other's information, and uh, she left. And we went to the title company and kind of, hey, we're doing this for sale by owner. What do we need to do? We had all the paperwork, everything, we had kind of all the things that we needed to do. And essentially, she ghosted us. We never, we never heard from her again. And we were this close to having one of those stories. See, we've never sold a house um, before, before we left. We've always left an MPI. So we were this close to one of those really, really annoying stories. They may be perfectly great stories to you, but they're really annoying stories to me. It was like... Like, we, God called us to do this thing, and we knew it was just the perfect thing to do, and we sold the house for 10 times the asking price you know, before we even moved, and, and, and somebody gave us a house for free, and I mean, you know, it's just one of those stories, right? We were this close, and we didn't, right? And so we had it on the house, the market on, house on the market for a few months, and as always, very normal for us, we moved away with an empty house. And so it was a frustrating time for us. Wanted to kind of launch our family into Fayetteville in a, in a good way, but it was a struggle with a teenage and a preteen daughter. We're in this relatively small apartment with just the four of us, and it was, it was cozy, and it was, it was, we had some good times. It was kind of frustrating. And then after a few months of being here, um, we got an offer on that house, and our realtor failed to respond to it appropriately. Uh, it's a complicated story, but let's just say the realtor didn't really respond to it, and then the people who made the offer, offer got nervous and pulled the offer. And so that's a great story. And so then we start to ask, you start to ask yourself after a while, start to ask yourself why, 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 why? There's got to be some reason. There's got to be some reason why this is happening. The God, God's, God's trying to do something. He's trying to, he's, he's got some great plan. And so we begin to imagine that somewhere out there is this like perfect family that is just going to, that God's just holding this house just for them in this perfect way. And it's like, well, God, God's, God's going to be doing something because he wouldn't make us go through this for nothing. He's got some plan. And so then and after a few more months, I guess we've been here about six months now, we get this call from this, from this family. It's like, hey, we're moving into town. Your house is perfect for us. We want to buy it. We've got a little job situation we've got to straighten out first. And once that gets settled, we're going to buy the house. 
So they moved in. They were great renters. And we've been praying. And then after a year, everything worked out perfectly with their job. The thing was unsettled, became settled. And they called us and said, we're moving back to Louisiana. But, you know, it made sense there for a little while. God was holding this house for them, and it was the perfect situation. And so then you just keep asking. We'll say, well, but why? But why? But why? And, and something's going to happen. And the longer this went on, one year, two years, three years, four years, the longer it went on, the more epic the story was going to have to be. Because there's no way you just go through this for no reason. So there's, there's, some, there's something that on, 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 the, on the back end of this is going to make it all make sense. Now I understand why you did this to us because you were wanting to do this for us and this for them. and all, It was all going to make sense. And something hit me about two weeks ago. Is again, as I'm just trying to put all these pieces of this puzzle together. It's been nine and a half years now. I'm trying to put the pieces of this puzzle together in a way that makes sense, and something just kind of hit me. What if we're just asking the wrong questions? You know, you're going through some trial or something that's happening to you that doesn't make sense, that something that you've maybe even really been praying for. You've been praying for diligently every day for one, two, three, four, five, ten years. And like, why, why are you doing this to me, God? What, 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 I need you to give me a reason for this. Like, like what, what are you trying to do for us? What are you trying to teach us? What are you, what are you, is this, are you preparing this for somebody else? Is this for somebody else's benefit? Are we, you, what if all of that is just, we're just making it all way too complicated? What if none of those questions make any sense? What if they're, again, what if they're just the wrong questions entirely? What if what God is actually trying to do in our lives is infinitely more simple than the complicated game that we're playing in our brain? And one of the things that I like to do when I'm, kind of, when I'm teaching the Bible, I like to make complex things simple. I don't like to do, I like to make them simple without making them overly simplified where it's like you're making it so simple that it's, you're starting to lose some accuracy. There's a little bit of that in here. I'm, I'm oversimplifying this a little bit. Because I want to focus on one narrow thread. Our situation with this house and the situation that you're going through really are. They are pretty complicated. And there's a lot of moving pieces. A lot of different things that God's trying to do probably. But really, there is, I believe, one primary thing that I think that God is trying to do and to teach us as we kind of go through these unexpected twists and turns in life. We're going to look at a psalm here. Psalm chapter 18, look at different pieces of it over the course of the next few minutes. And again, this, I, I, most of the Psalms are, it's written by David, and this is in a situation where he's already been anointed to be the next king, but the guy who is the current king is not happy about that, and is chasing him down, uh, trying to kill him. And so we find ourselves, and again, this, was hap- this happened off and on for a few years there for David. And so we find him all throughout the songs, kind of the emotional processing of a lot of the ups and downs of David's story as he's running for his life, being chased by a former friend and mentor and the current king after God had already kind of blessed him with this awesome thing. Hey, you're going to be the king. Oh, that's great. And then all these terrible things start to happen to him. 
And we see all throughout the Psalms a lot of processing. And we have one here in Psalm 18. And we're going to start in verse 1. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. So at this point, we have just recently been delivered from Saul and his army chasing David. And he's celebrating that. And he kind of starts with this great moment of praise. And he begins, God, you're awesome. I love you so much. And then he describes God with all of these kind of similar metaphors. You're my strength, my rock, my fortress. I take refuge in you, my shield, the horn of my salvation, stronghold. He describes him in the aftermath of God's deliverance from this trial that he was going through. And he uses all these strength and power and safety metaphors. You are strong presence for me. You protected me. You have made me safe. I am, I am, I am protected by you. And so everything is good now. God has delivered him. And what does it say that, that David did. Verse 3, he says, In the midst of all this, in, in thinking about how awesome God is, I called to the Lord who was worthy of praise. So in his moment of strength, in his moment of victory, when he had finally been freed from this pursuit, in the good times, he looks to God and calls out to him and says, God, you are amazing. And he starts in verse 4 and he starts to reflect about what's happened and he uses a different metaphor here. The cords of death entangled me, torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, cords of the grave, the snares of death. And so the image that he is drawing up here is one of essentially being tied up by ropes. He's been tied up by all of these ropes and is completely helpless and hopeless to deal with this situation at all. He is bound up. He cannot move. There's nothing that he can do. And and death is about to overcome him. I mean, that is an incredibly desperate situation. He is on the run by himself with a handful of his men on the run from the king of Israel and the thousands of people in the army. And in this moment, he feels like there is nothing that he can do. I am paralyzed. I am trapped. What does he do? Verse 6. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. So we kind of, instead of a before and after story, we've kind of got after before the way, way he's telling it here in Psalm 18. But in the first part of Psalm 18, is like God did this incredible thing to me and I reached out to him and I praised him. And then he looks back and he says, man, I was in this helpless situation where I had no hope and had no idea how I was going to survive, and I called out to God for help. In both circumstances, the good circumstance and the scary circumstance, his instinct was the same. To reach out to God, to call his name, to praise him, and to ask for help. So again, this is a bit of an oversimplification in some ways. 
But I want us to be thinking about specifically, what is it that God is trying to communicate to me about Him and me and our relationship in these kinds of times? And honestly, this is, again, this is the kind of thing that's kind of hit me over the last couple of weeks. It's honestly in the kind of the twists and turns that we go through through life. I really think God's trying to do two things. One, God is either showing you He's close or He's drawing you close. He's either showing you that he's close or he's drawing you close. In the first part of this, he's showing David he's close. I'm gonna, he protects him. He's strong. God, he, David is experiencing this overwhelming protection and strength from God. And God is communicating very, very clearly to David. I am with you. I am close. I've got you. I am your protector. I am your strength. So he's showing David that he's close and David takes comfort of that and reaches out to him and praises him. But then there's also the moments with the snares and the ropes, and I'm completely tied down, I'm helpless, I don't know what to do. And in that instance, what I believe that God is trying to do is trying to draw David closer. In his moment of helplessness and weakness, God is calling out to him, and David responds. I called out to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. So what if, what if it's not about elaborate circumstances and some incredibly complex chess game that God's trying to do and the only way that the bad thing makes sense to me at, at all is, is, is if, you know, okay, well, you had a good reason and it ended up, well, we were able to sell it for more money later or there was this family that was in a really desperate situation and, and they needed it for some reason. Like, what if it isn't all about that? But there's just kind of this thing where it's like, sometimes God is showing me how strong He is and that brings me comfort. Or sometimes I find myself in helpless situations and the purpose of that is to draw me closer to Him. To remind me of how much I need Him so I'll lean on Him more. You ever, ever kind of do the opposite of that? Like the opposite of all of that. So things are good. Things are good. I've got really nothing to complain about. Things are strong. I'm protected. And you think, I got this. Look at how great I am at life. Nobody does life better than me. I'm on top of it. I got my finances under control. Everybody loves me. My job situation's good. I'm good. Aren't I great? Isn't this great? So I'm not recognizing the fact that God is a strong protector for me. I begin to think, Hey, man, I think I finally figured life out. And then when the twist and turn comes, it's like, God, what's the deal with you anyway? Why are you like this? I had everything under control, and now you did this thing to me. And so rather in my helpless situation, using that as a moment to say, I should draw closer to the God who I know is strong for me, who has consistently shown himself strong to me. I use that as a a wedge 
a gap between God and me. So I don't recognize his strength and protection when things are good. And then when things get bad, I begin to blame him. Now, over the course of the last nine and a half years, I'm not going to lie to you, I've had a lot of ups and downs. I've had some good moments. I've had some bad moments. I've had some freak outs. You've experienced some of them. I've freaked out here for you plenty of times over the last nine and a half years. And I'm not trying to run myself into the ground. I think, I mean, I, I give myself a passing grade, perhaps. I don't know. But again, as I was thinking about all of this, like, I just wonder, did I, did I just miss it? Like, there was this thing that God was really trying to do, and I missed it. That what he was really wanting to do over the last nine and a half years, where I was bound up, I lacked the ability to sell a house. I'm, I'm not a realtor. I can't produce a buyer. I don't even live there anymore. I, I, I have, I have, I'm powerless over this. I'm completely powerless. And what God was primarily wanting to do in my life is to draw me closer to Him. I know you're powerless. The truth is, you've always been powerless. And in this moment, I want you to feel that so that we can be closer. And I'm... And I missed it. Because what I do, and probably you do as well, is something happens that doesn't make sense. Something that doesn't just, just, just I don't understand. It's, why did, why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? You're God and you have the power to do something different than this if you want. And so rather than using this as an opportunity to draw close, I kind of put a, put a barrier here between us. And it's like, listen, this thing that you've done doesn't make sense to me. And when it's over, and you can explain to me on the back end why this makes sense and why you did what... As long as you can put together for me the plan and, oh, now I see why you did this, then I will take down the barrier and you and I can be close again. But until then, I'm going to skeptically stand over here and wait for you to explain yourself to me. When the strength and the protection and the comfort was there the whole time, but I choose, and we all choose from time to time, to place a relational barrier there. Because the reality of it is, is we can only tend to see some things, we only see things one way. How does this affect me? Why is this happening to me? You need to explain to me why you are letting this thing happen to me. And what happens is, is that we begin to believe that we are the main character in life's story. Life is about me, and I'm the main character. But as David begins to reflect um, more about what happened, I, I think we'll, we'll see something else. Verse 10 Psalm 18. He's describing God when he kind of shows up there to um, protect him from Saul and his army. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. 
He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven, the voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. This is either a really elaborate metaphor that David is using here to describe the overwhelming power of God, or maybe he is kind of describing something that literally happened in this one of many instances where God saved him from Saul and his army. Regardless, God is this awesome, powerful storm. And he comes in with darkness and cloud and rain and thunder and lightning and scatters all of his enemies. We don't have any historical record that this is what happened. Regardless, at a minimum, it is how it felt to David. That this powerful storm comes in with all of this strength and scatters everyone. And God shows up in such a way that it is obvious, awesome, and powerful. Where essentially David is kind of sitting sit back, all tied up in the ropes, right? Looking back and seeing how incredible and powerful and awesome the God of the universe is. Because ultimately, you see this here, and you see this in uh, most of David's writings. He has his moments too. That he recognizes that this life, this life is about God. This is about him. It's not about you. This life is about him. God is the center of the story. You are not the main character of, of, of the story of life. But we act sometimes like we are, and God goes back and forth between the villain in my story and a supporting actor in my story. This is about me. And God's either opposing what I'm doing, hindering what I'm doing, or He's helping what I'm doing. But really the story is about what I'm doing. When really this story, it's God's story. Why is there a universe at all? It wasn't like we needed a home. We didn't exist. God created the universe. It is a demonstration of His power and His creativity. He wanted to demonstrate that. He wanted to speak the universe into existence. And, and, the, and the more vast and complex we recognize our universe to be, the bigger and more powerful he becomes. And the more we examine the details, the more creative he is, the more meticulous he is. This, this incredible painting that he has made and how overwhelmingly big it is a reflection of how incredible God is. That's the purpose of the universe, and you are a part of that. And you were created, by God's words, you were created to be a reflection of Him. You were created in His image to reflect Him back to Him, to reflect Him to the rest of the universe, to reflect Him to others. That's who you are. We are here because of Him, and we are here for Him. This is not about us. And honestly, if you think about it, it makes sense even though you don't like it. It wasn't around like, you didn't create God to help you. You don't exist because 
You deserved it. You didn't exist. Why did God create? Because he wanted to. Why do people have kids? And if you still view yourself as a kid, it's not, it's all right. Why? Your parents didn't have, it's not about you. They decided for their own reasons. You know what? I want to have kids. It isn't about you. You were created, you didn't exist. You think that your family exists for you. It's like, well, they're the ones that brought me in. I, I, I'm here for them. Well, that, that, nope, nope, nope. Please, please continue on to other, other illustrations because I don't like that. We don't like it when we think about it as a kid. I don't like it when I think about it with God either. Because somehow I say, you exist for God. You are not the center of the universe This story is not your story. It's God's story. You move me out of center of the universe position. And suddenly, I thought thought God loved me. There's a huge gap, right? Right? Between center of the universe and God doesn't love me. But 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 that's kind of where we go. It's like, either I'm the center of the universe or nothing makes sense. Either either I'm the center of the universe or I can't trust God. Because my rightful place in my family in my story, in this universe, in my relationship with God, is to be at the center. But our life is ultimately about Him. David concludes it like this in verse 20. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, He has rewarded me. For I've kept the ways of the Lord. I'm not guilty of turning from my God. All His laws are before me. I've not turned away from His decrees. I've been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful you show yourself faithful, to the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure, but to the devious you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. And so as, as David's reflecting, it's like, God, he was just this incredible storm, this incredible power, and he did all of these incredible things. And I look back on it, and he's like, he heard me, he saw me, he cares, he rewarded me, he saved me, he showed himself to me. He's just reflecting in this kind of, you can just kind of tell this just kind of awestruck way that God really was there for me. And so even though we may not particularly like the idea that our life is not about us, but it's about Him, we can also take comfort in this, but He's also really into you. He he loves you so much. And again, it makes sense. The same deal when you have a kid. You have a kid for your own selfish reasons. Well, self-interested reasons. You want to have a kid. So you give birth to a kid, you adopt a kid, you bring kids into foster, you you have kids, right? And, and, and it's for your reasons. And then the baby comes and everything turns on its head. It's no longer about what I wanted. I would, I would give my life for this child. And that's the way that God is with you. Sure, He created you for His own reasons. He created you to reflect His glory and His image back to Him. but he would give his life for you. He did. 
through His Son, Jesus Christ. He sacrificed His life to save you, to bring hope and life to you. And so, sometimes things are great, and we know. We know that God is a strong presence. Sometimes this world doesn't make sense, and you feel like you are hopeless and helpless, like you are tied up with ropes, and you never, and you don't feel like you can do anything. And God is trying to draw you close because it's about Him. It's not about you. You are not the center of your story. And so, um, five days ago, on Tuesday, we sold that stupid house. I hate that house so much. Somebody asked me the other day, somebody asked me the other day, how, how much has this cost you financially? And what I said was, is that I, I, I can't do the math on that. And they kind of gave me the shocked look, being a math person that I am. said, you can't do the math? <laughs> no, 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 you misunderstand me. I can do the math, I, I, but I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I don't, I don't want to know the answer to that question. I really don't. I just don't. But reflecting on that question, is the last nine and a half years... Is it a story of overwhelming financial burden and strain on our family? Or is it a story of the overwhelming provision of a God who provided for us in ways that don't make any sense? Which kind of story is that? Honestly, it depends, right? What does it depend on? My attitude. How I choose to view Him. How I choose to define closeness. And who I think is at the center of the story. So it was a month ago. I was done. I've been done before, but this felt more done. And like we're getting ready to come into the holidays and people don't buy houses in December and January. You know, it's not when you buy houses. We're going to have to wait till the spring. It's like two more months of this, three more months of the four. I just can't. It's like, God, it just feels like you've just kind of left. And so in my desperation, I called out for help. God, can we just have a showing this weekend that says that you're close so that I know that you're still in this? And the very next day, we got, a, we got a showing scheduled for Saturday. And I was like, wait a second. So I started feeling like, I want an offer by Christmas. And then those people two days later, uh, the next day they made an offer. And I'm like, how about we finish this then? Just, just be done. And at just the right time, God brought an end to this chapter in our story. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not going to say, I've got, I've got, I've been, uh, so much has happened over this last month. Even in the five days since we closed, there's been some pretty funny things that have happened. I, I can't, I, 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 I got to save them. I got to save them. You'll, you'll get to hear them. You'll get to hear them. <laughs> but God has shown himself. And if I would have let him, he could have better shown himself to me when I felt tied up in the ropes. But at just the right time, God brought an end to the chapter. And I don't know where you find yourself at the beginning or the middle or the end of a chapter, but if you find yourself in a place where you think, honestly, I look and I think, man, God's, I, I, my, my life's doing pretty good. Take that 
as an opportunity where God is showing you and saying that he is close and he is strong and reach out to him, call out to him in praise. If you find yourself a little bit closer to feeling more like you've been tied up in ropes, call out to God for help. Regardless, let this season and this moment that you're in be an opportunity for you to draw closer to a good, powerful God who is the center of the story and loves you more than you can imagine. And so, um, the end of our service is really kind of designed for this, really just kind of designed for this kind of personal spiritual reflection. So I encourage you, our prayer team's back there if you need some prayer of encouragement. There's prayer candles where you can pray, praying at the cross, have communion available for you to take. You don't have to be a member uh, just a follower of Jesus Christ, have an opportunity to give. We have a great time of worship. But let's each one of us draw close to the God that loves you and gave his life for you through his son, Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you've brought an end to this chapter. And God, a new one begins. And so I thank you for God, how you have prospered us now. And I pray that for me and for all of us here, that the the next twist and turn, we would not build a wall, but we would run and draw close to you. And that God, that no matter where we find ourselves, we would call out to you. And God, I pray for those of us that the, that the trial, the burden is because of our sin, because of the things that we've done that have separated ourselves from you. God, I pray that we would reach out, that we would call out to you for forgiveness through your son, Jesus Christ. God, for those of us who find ourselves in a difficult circumstance, not because of anything we've done, but because of life, God, that we would call out to you for help and deliverance. And God, for those of us who just feel on top of things right now, we would call out to you in praise. That beginning, middle, and end, we would know you are close and call out to you in praise each and every day. And we love you. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.